Detroit Beard Collective is a proud sponsor of Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, powered by SlackJawPunks.com. Guys, tired of trying to make that burly beard of yours look and smell good? Then check this out. Straight out of the Motor City, where they know a thing or two about being tough, comes Detroit Beard Collective, specializing in making that facial hair look good with products like beard butter, beard oils and soaps, specialty combs, and so much more. Come check out the line today at Detroit DetroitBeardCollective.com. DBC takes pride in using Detroit and Michigan-based companies and ingredients in all aspects of their product development and manufacturing as they continue to build Detroit's premier grooming company. Even burly dudes like to look and smell good, and DBC will make that happen. Do yourself and your badass beard a favor and log on to DetroitBeardCollective.com and check out all the amazing products they offer. And when you're ready to check out, use promo code SG. JPDBC to receive 10% off Detroit Beard Collective. Cleaning this world up one beard at a time. Welcome back inside Creaking Door Paranormal Radio with Tim Ellis and Brad Blair as we are sitting here uh, in northern Michigan. Not even quite summertime yet. Uh, <laughs> it's been uh, quite the springtime for us, though. It's finally spring and it's late June. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a late bloom here this uh, this spring. Take what you will for that. I, I would just like to have two or three days in a row with no rain so I could actually do some yard work yeah, and do something yeah. outside, but that I, hasn't happened. I cut the grass uh, a few weeks ago and literally, I swear, I think a few strands actually were touching my knees. That's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's not from laziness, although it might be for yours, but no, what? it's you know, it just has not stopped raining. None so, at all. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, back in the studio. That's why we love getting inside the <laughs> studio. doesn't matter what the heck it's doing outside. We love to get inside Creaking Door and talk everything paranormal and fun uh, that has to do with uh, the weird and the strange. And right. some exciting news, Brad, uh, since the last time we were here in the studio, uh, an announcement of one final addition to the Michigan Paranormal Convention. Right. We got Mr. Cliff Barackman from Finding Bigfoot. So we'll have Cliff and James Bobo Fay here. Yeah. So just the popularity of that show still surprises me. They love it. Uh, it it's so big on Animal Planet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things like we talk often back when Ghost Hunters came out and we'd say, man, there's no way anybody's going to watch this show because Tim and I have been paranormal researchers for 20 years plus now. And 
at the time, nobody was airing anything on TV about this. And we thought, man, you, you sit there in the dark and do nothing for hours. So <laughs> when we heard they were going to do a TV show on it, we thought there's no way. Right. I mean, how do you make that exciting? And I think kind of the same feeling with finding Bigfoot, but man, the fans have embraced this mm-hmm. show and it still remains strong, uh, still going. And yeah, we've got Cliff and, uh, and Bobo coming in. Yeah. So and that's th- going to be great. It's going to be great. And I think that's kind of the success of the series is the fact that you've got some really good characters that people have kind of yeah. attached to meaning Bobo and Cliff and, and the others on there. But I'm really excited. The fact that of the two, those are the two we got. Coming right. Out. And we, we've never met either of them. No, so it, it, it's going It'll to be, be a, first. a first for us and, and great personalities. I've mm-hmm. heard great things about both. So yeah, while, while we're on the, uh, the topic of the Squatch, let's hop right into para news for mm. the night. Let's do it. Here we go. Time for some para news on Creaking Door Paranormal yeah, Radio. And a, uh, a Bigfoot story with a political twist to it. Oh, boy. My, why not? Everything's political these yeah, days. Yeah, taking you back out to Washington State, where Senator Ann Rivers promises to keep trying to make Sasquatch the official state cryptid. I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't either, but uh, I, I applaud them. I, I That is wonderful. I, I agree with it. I, agree in, with I think it. maybe Michigan should adopt the dog man. Uh, that hey, we we're should push something. that. We're we should push on that. to something there. Do we know any senators? Uh, well, frighteningly, we 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 do know do a couple know actually. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think for good or reasons are bad. We, uh, we do. Well, yeah. So <laughs> the, the 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 initial bill was the uh, brainchild of nine year old Caleb Davis, who believes in Bigfoot, mm-hmm. a lifelong student of Sasquatch, along with his dad. He wrote to Rivers asking to make Bigfoot the official Washington State cryptid. I watch YouTube videos about Bigfoot, Caleb said. Most Bigfoot sightings are here. They're really interesting. I'm really proud about Caleb stepping out of his comfort zone to write to the senator, as mom said. They live in rural northern Clark County, an area represented by Rivers. Rivers' bill died in committee this spring, but, this is great, she intends to bring it back in 2018. In what might seem as a gutsy stance of a seven-year political career, Rivers, who is widely respected by legislators of both parties for her hard work and grasp of tough issues, admitted she believes it is possible that Bigfoot exists. You won't normally hear this out of a politician. You really won't, so uh, kudos to her. Yeah, it would be arrogant to deny the possibility, the senator said. Washington State does have a decent case for claiming to be the center of the Sasquatch universe. The 22-year-old Bigfoot Field Research Organization says that Washington has racked up the most potential Sasquatch sightings among the 50 states, with... 627 reported sightings. Wow. Well, they, yeah, that's impressive. That's a very impressive number. I, I love the fact that they're actually entertaining this. I think the fact that it does come from a young kid, though. I think that's great. Has That I is fantastic. But I think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of caught some traction, too. Like, if you and I approached the state <laughs> senate here in Michigan to, to ask... Showed up with tinfoil hats on yeah, and, and that Michigan dog, the, the man dog man becomes mm-hmm. our official cryptid uh, monster of, of the state, yeah, they're probably going to kick us out or have security take us out. We've been thrown out of better places. That's true. Alright, here we go. Uh, I'm not going to uh, deny or confirm that I was on the internet looking for a job today, but I came across this. A live-in nanny position is currently available, and it offers some pretty good pay. Nice room, 
and, well, some fringe benefits, if you will. Now, the job currently posted is on a UK child care site. Okay, it's really creepy if you think I was actually on that site. I'm I wasn't. not even asking. <laughs> I wasn't on that site, I promise. Once again. Details. Uh, it details a family of four looking for a live-in nanny who would earn based on U.S. dollars, $64,000 a year to Damn. look after a couple's two children. That's, well, I have one child. It, it <laughs> probably is worth that, but that's not bad salary. Well, considering, obviously, your room and board is going to already be taken care of, so you're basically mm-hmm. getting 64000 for yourself. Plus, as an added incentive, four weeks of vacation are also included with the job. Hmm. And uh, there's just one little hitch, however, though. The listing actually claims... Five nannies have left the role in the last year, each citing supernatural incidences as the reason, including strange noises, broken glass, furniture moving, and full-body apparitions. Hmm. That's right. Five nannies have all been chased out of the house, apparently by a poltergeist. Interesting. Well, I I, I, I applaud them for uh, being honest. Where was this happening at again? Was this in Scotland? It was in the UK. Okay. So I'm All assuming right. Scott. Actually, it's from the Scottish borders. So, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, so we're going to Scotland. So there you go. If you want to be a nanny, you can. And uh, you can actually take care of two kids, make $64,000, and ghost hunt all maybe, at the same time. Maybe they were just watching, uh, had ghost dads streaming in the background, that good old Bill Cosby <laughs> movie. And it might have, uh, might have frightened them off a bit. So... <laughs> Well, let's head to the sky for my next story. All right. Looking at the alien hunter coming right out of Texas. This comes from a NewsFix website. Houston, which is nicknamed Space City for having the uh, NASA headquarters being in its backyard, also claims to be the home for a man who calls himself the alien hunter, Mr. Daryl Sims. He has some of the coolest stuff that he says came from outer space. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sims, a private investigator, claims he was once a G-man and used those skills to uncover alien abductions. A G-man. A G-man. I like that name. I, I come from an intelligence background with the Central Intelligence Agency, or CIA as the cool kids call it, in covert operations, he explains. Sims claims to have proof that life really does exist in the cosmos. We have 1,950 cases worldwide, he said. A lady came back with an implant which fell out of her eye in front of her boss at her desk. (laughs) And her boss is the one who made sure I got the implant, which I have with me today. That's a bad day at work. That is a bad day anywhere. (laughs) Sims got into the business after, he says, an alien visited him as a child and kept coming back until he was 17 years old. While most recollections of UFO and alien sightings are theoretical, Sims collects and tests physical evidence from those who claim to have had real alien encounters. A lot of these people do not realize if you've in fact had a real-life UFO event where the entities actually touched you, physically taking you, this sort of thing, abduction, whatever they want to call it, they leave a physical trace on you in the infrared range, he says. Black light and infrared are just some of the technologies Sims uses to detect traces of alien contact. That technique detects the temperature level on skin and detects a residue that comes from out of this world. Uh-huh. Yes, otherworldly residues. So, <laughs> sometimes the alien entity will leave scars, cuts, lumps, bumps, and eh, some of them may make absolutely no sense, Sims says. 
Many of Sim's artifacts are featured in museums around the world, including Slovakia, Japan, and Roswell, New Mexico, well, of, of course. course. Yeah, so, so does this uh, make space fact fiction? What does it do? It doesn't matter what I think, says Sims, or what anybody thinks. It only matters what we can actually prove. So, good for him. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. like the... I like that take. I like the way he takes it. Yeah. I, I like the way he works on this. And, uh, again, this is uh, down in Houston. All right. So, yeah. Uh, interesting little article. Uh, very interesting. And, uh, again, another one of the ones we'll have to kind of watch and mm-hmm. see if anything else comes from it. Now, speaking of otherworldly residue, which you were just speaking of, Brad, this headline caught my eye. British athletes claim sex ghost is haunting their reality show. Hmm. Yes. Where do you apply? <laughs> well, here we go. Two British athletes starring on a reality show are claiming that a sex ghost seems to be haunting their hotel rooms. British... Paralympian Kadena Cox and retired rugby star Gareth Thomas are two of the celebrities competing on a show called The Jump, a British show where famous people compete in various snow sports, a ski jump with stars, if you will. Now, the season's first episode aired Sunday on Channel 4 Network in the UK, but the show is scaring up more attention for what's happening in the celebrities' hotel rooms. During the episode, the 25-year-old Cox reportedly asked for a new room after being sexually violated by a ghost. So we're talking incubus succubus. That's what I don't know if they understand what they're talking Mm -hmm. about, but that's exactly what they're (laughs) talking about. Another competing celebrity, Emma Parker Bowles, who happens to be the Duchess of Cornwall's niece, said on the show that Cox was penetrated. By wow. a paranormal entity. That's that's exactly what we're talking about. Yes, then. it is. That's exactly what it is. Uh, she said, literally, the ghost or something was going inside and out. The feeling apparently was so real to her that she immediately asked for a room change. I wanted to move to different floors because this was all too real. It seriously felt like I was in a sexual relation with someone. Hmm. So there you go. Well, that's and, and yeah, you, you could easily joke about this. But sure. realistically, we, we've heard stories from people who claim to have had interactions with incubus or succubus hauntings, which are sexual predator demonic entities. Yeah. And so, w- well, the whole movie, the entity is based on. That. Right. Yeah, which is a great right. movie. And, and that's that's based off of a supposed real case yep. that happened out in California back in 70s, 60s or 70s. I think the movie Somewhere came out between. in the late 70s. Okay. So I think it might have been the late 60s or something. but Somewhere in there, yeah. Good movie, which I haven't seen in a while. I think I need to dial that one up. A long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That is another conclusion of Para News. And time to get on to the, the meat and potatoes, if you will. And yes. one of our favorite guests, and we've had this man on several times in the past, always very intriguing, Very one of our more... He he always brings a different aspect to the same story, it seems. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, because it's a story that has been told over and over, which is, who is Jack the Ripper? Well, could it indeed be an American doctor who got his degree from the University of Michigan? Mm -hmm. Of course, we're talking about H.H. Holmes. America's first serial killer. Yep, that he was. And he is also the great-great-grandfather of our upcoming guest. We're so excited to have him back inside the creaking door jeff mudgett author of bloodstains with some amazing big news uh, about the story that that is based on and we're going to talk all about it coming up next inside the creaking door powered by slackjawpunks.com
Nestled inside historic Old Village in Plymouth, Michigan, sits a beer lover's destination, Liberty Street Brewing Company. Since 2008, Liberty Street Brewing Company has been crafting delicious beer the right way, brewed in small amounts to ensure quality and maintain freshness. The moment you walk in, your experience is their number one concern. Caring staff, updated and changing list of delicious beer, and a short list of regular food are all waiting for you. Once you walk in, you won't want to leave. Or grab a growler of your favorite Liberty Street Brewing Company beer and head home to enjoy the latest episode of Creaking Door Paranormal Radio. Liberty Brewing Company in Plymouth, Michigan. Giving you the freedom to choose a better beer. And welcome back inside Creaking Door Paranormal Radio. Tim Ellis and Brad Blair with you. And Brad, as we had prefaced uh, coming out of our first segment, how excited we are to have this gentleman back inside the Creaking Door with us. Got to be hit at least his third time back in with us. Yeah, may, maybe fourth. Might be fourth. Um, could well be. It, it's it's a wonderful topic that we love to talk about. And you had actually mentioned this also, Brad, in the first segment, that the great thing about having Jeff with us is that every time he seems to bring something new to this the the story that he's been telling through his book Bloodstains, right? Um, in in twenty years of pursuit in in trying to prove his theory, and f- you talk about bringing something new to the table to the show today. Mm-hmm. This is something we've never touched before because, well, we don't need to talk about it. Let's bring the man in himself, Mister Jeff Mudgett, author of Bloodstains, back inside the creaking door. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us. Hey. Tim and Brad, it's always a pleasure. I think I think Brad, you're right. It is the fourth time on your show, and I've mm-hmm. and I've spoken twice at your conference up in Michigan. So you guys have seen a lot of me, and I hope it's not too much. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we are more than happy to call you a friend, Jeff, and I mean that with all sincerity. I, we we met some years back at Chicago at one of your very first speaking engagements, and, and we've always kept in touch since. So it's so great to have you back on to talk to us tonight about your next big project coming out next month yeah which uh, amazing jeff that it's it's finally come to this for you this has been a this has been a quest uh, i think it's fair to say a quest for you for 20 years um and then eventually the book came out bloodstains and then from there it was speaking at conferences and just telling your story to person almost individuals at a time sometimes just saying look this is who my great great grandfather was in hh Holmes. this is what he did this is who i believe he is and now This is coming to the History Channel, American Ripper, premiering Tuesday, July 11th at 10 p.m. My friend, first of all, congratulations on sticking to your guns, never backing down to all the naysayers, and now you get to tell your story in front of a huge audience. You know, Tim, that's that's very kind, and I greatly appreciate you mentioning those words because you both saw what it was like for me to actually start at at that conference with Ursula when I met you both and how most naysayers thought that what I was talking about would, would, never, would never come to fruition. Mm-hmm. I always felt that with both of you, you saw something in me that maybe led you to believe it was a possibility. And, and I got to tell you, it's not, it's not about ego. It's not about pounding my chest. But there is certainly a, a, a feeling of graciousness 
when I get to go up to the people that used to tell me that'll never happen, forget it, there's no way, and now and now I get to see their faces win. Like you said, it's going to be July 11th at 10 o'clock on History Channel for an eight-part series. American Ripper, so looking forward to this. And the work that you're putting into it now, it, it, it's not just you. You're, you're, you're a retired attorney for those people that don't know you, Jeff. And you're teamed up with a former CIA agent with this series. Was this a, a cohesive working relationship? Actually, that's a great question. Uh, her name is Amaryllis Fox. She's my co-host, as you mentioned. She... She is a uh, ex-CIA operative. Probably, I don't know if you saw her picture on my Bloodstains Facebook page, but she's probably one of the most beautiful, smart, tough women I've ever met in my life. I call her Scully, which the <laughs> network doesn't allow. They don't allow me to do that on the show <laughs> for obvious reasons. But uh, that's who she reminds me of. And I've got to tell you, I think America's going to fall in love with Amaryllis. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and again, they'll get the chance here very soon, starting in July. Jeff, let's take a quick step back, though. Um, I would think, but you know what? Brad and I, like you said, have, have been uh, front row eating our popcorn with this story from day one when, when we met you. So I don't want to take it for granted that everyone understands the story we're talking about here. So let's take a quick step back and just give us a brief history again on who Herman Mudgett is how he ties into your life, and how you got to where you are today. All right. Herman, better known as H.H. Holmes, was a great, great grandfather, uh, a fact that I didn't know about till I was 40 years old when my grandfather revealed that secret to the family. He'd even kept it a secret from my grandmother, who, uh, in all honesty, wouldn't have married my grandfather had she known. So it was probably a good secret on his and my part. Right. So the... the yeah. So when he revealed that secret, I, I decided to do some research on the subject. And lo and behold, as you mentioned earlier in the show, it became a journey, then an obsession. And finally, now I like to consider myself as, as Captain Ahab and the white whale as Herman and finding <laughs> the truth. Right. The truth of what actually happened with him. And uh, what happened was. You know, I, I put together a little self-published book, and you, you know, you I think you both have read it. It's oh yes, yes. It's uh, it's in, it's enjoyed by about half the people that read it, and about half the people don't. Which I think a good book generally has those fifty-fifty parameters. Mm -hmm. Very true. And it was uh, I was offered a couple of publishing offers, and I turned them down, um, basically because. They wanted me to remove the chapter on Holmes being Jack the Ripper, which was the, the theory that I wanted to push the most. And they believed it would just be too hard for them to publish that story and that the, the billions of people that know who Jack the Ripper was wouldn't have accepted it. So I went off on my own, kept pushing, kept pushing. I met people like you through Ursula. I met people like Dave Schrader. I met people like George Norrie. I had the TED people ask me to give a talk, and then I met Joshua at your show, who led my story on to Magella Entertainment, who pushed it with history and A&E, who fell in love with my TED talk, and then offered me a TV series. So now we get to tell the story of Herman to the American public and to the world, I believe, and they also are going to allow me to promote 
and back my theory that Holmes was also Jack the Ripper, which is one of the reasons why they hired Amaryllis as the trained investigator with the CIA who was knowledgeable in all forms of modern forensic science, who would keep me grounded when my theories went off too far. She'd bring me back, and she'd (laughs) always bring it back to where logic and evidence ruled the day. And I got to tell you, I think I just can't wait to see how it's received. So when you say Joshua at our conference here, Jeff, are you you're referring to Joshua P. Warren, correct? That's him. That's yeah. him. He's the one that introduced my story to Chris Pataki at McGill. And and from there, it went on to uh, be promoted to history and any entertainment. Well, that's really cool because I didn't realize that no. connection was there to this. So that's that's great to hear. Yeah, no, Joshua's been a good friend. He uh, um, he helped out quite a bit, and he knew the right people to contact. Which, as you both know, in this business, there's you know there's not, you, you can't give up on your ideas. You have to keep pushing. You have to keep pushing. I pushed for four or five years, as you both know. Right. And then there's got to be there's got to be a little luck, Tim. And that luck was meeting Joshua at your show. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. So getting back to, getting back to Holmes now, to your, your great-great-grandfather, this, this is a man who confessed to 27 murders. Most people who have a, any background on it b- believe, and 27 is a staggering figure for having killed that right. many people, but most people believe it goes far, far beyond that. You know, that's a, the, the number about um, how many he killed is, is, is up for debate at present. There's a couple of new books out that deny that number because the number that Holmes confessed to awaiting execution, that 27 number, some of those people were actually still alive. So <laughs> he was caught lying, lying flat out. Now, that number also doesn't include the 50, 60, 70 people that law enforcement admits went missing that they've never been able to track down that had relations with Holmes. Hmm. And as you both know, he was, a, he was a doctor from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. He, he paid his tuition robbing graves, Brad. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to create a business doing that, selling skeletons to medical facilities across the country. So when people say, well, you can't prove how many he killed, I say, you're absolutely correct. So what? Mm-hmm. This was a man who was an expert at reducing human remains to zero evidence. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, his his murder castle in Chicago at the time of the World's Fair is something right out of the bowels of Hollywood. Right. Uh, and, and But this man created it in his own mind and executed it. You know, I I like the way you describe that, Tim. He was the actual Dr. Frankenstein. When people ask me, you know, describe him in three or four three or four words or less, I say Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. He made that murder castle for it was a factory of death in order for him to conduct his experiments in torture and also to sell cadavers to those facilities. And and at the time, Brad, they were making two thousand dollars a skeleton. Wow. So what ha- what happened with Holmes was he learned that going out to a graveyard and redigging up a fresh cadaver was too hard work. So what did he do? He created that factory and he started murdering to create the skeletons. Wow. It, here's the, here's the amazing thing too when you think about Jack the Ripper and how famous and iconic his legend has become based on 
maybe 11, but most believe five. He's got nothing on Holmes. Nothing on Holmes, but yet it almost seemed like Holmes was almost brushed under the carpet when it came to history and people telling his story until now. I mean, you're blowing the top off this now, Jeff, but why do you think that was that Holmes was literally almost ignored in the history books compared to someone like Jack the Ripper? You know, another you hit another one out of the park, Tim. I, I refer to Jack the Ripper as the JV compared to Holmes, and yeah. it's it's almost as if history should be trying to prove Jack the Ripper as H. H. Holmes, <laughs> not me proving Holmes as Jack the Ripper. Right. And I why that is, I, it has to do with I've got a couple of uh, theories on that as well, and you and you both being ex- experts in marketing might might appreciate this before. The Dear Boss letter came out before Catherine Eddowes was murdered in, in London in 1888. They, they had a number of, a number of uh, phrases and names for the killer, and they weren't very effective. When that letter came out, that was the first time the author used Jack the Ripper. And for some reason, that phrase rolls off the tongue and sticks in the brain, and it's been used by Hollywood and authors for the last 130 years. And, and even now, you both have to admit, it just works. <laughs> and yeah. it has to do with, what you know, when you think about it, two, three, four murders, that's happened over and over again in cities all around the world. But that's the one the mystery sticks to, and I think yeah. it has to do with that phrase. Well, I don't think I'm stepping on uh, on the story for the upcoming American Ripper series by asking you this, Jeff, because you talk about it in Bloodstains. But at, at what point do you sit down when you're researching Holmes' background and say, wait a minute, this could also be Jack the Ripper? Have you have either of you ever met Mark Potts, the uh, historian from Pennsylvania? I have not. I've heard the name. I've heard people talk about him, but I've not met him. Yeah, Mark's a good friend of mine who came to me after reading Bloodstains and said, not after reading Bloodstains, but he knew I was into the research. And he told me that he had a theory for, for 20 years that that Holmes had been the Ripper. And quite frankly, I had the initial response that most people do when they hear when they hear it brought up, and I, I, I uh, blew it off. I denied it. But then I started considering Mark's evidence, and, and he's, a, he's an expert at uh, research and history, and, and he's the one that pushed me in that direction. And then I made a couple of significant breakthroughs regarding evidence, which I think has proven the case. I mean, I don't know if either of you have ever heard, but uh, one night on Coast to Coast with George Norrie, George said, hey, let's put Jack the Ripper to rest. Jeff has proven the case as far as I'm concerned. And, wow. and I got to tell you, I, I agree with that. And I hope the world accepts it. Although you both know what will happen. If I went back in time on an H.G. Wells time machine, Tim, <laughs> back to 1888, and I videoed Holmes murdering Catherine Eddowes and brought it back to the present and showed it on 60 Minutes, it would be denied. Right. All right? That's what Jack the Ripper's all about. Yeah. And, right. and it doesn't, you know, there's, I think there's three new theories this year from authors about who Jack the Ripper was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah, and I, I, I want to ask you, Jeff, too, I'm, I, I'm going to be going to England in the fall, and we are planning on doing a Ripper tour. What, what are people, after American Ripper's been out, it's been in the public, what are the people in London going to have to say? Interesting. I, I would imagine there'll be some anger. They, they look at Jack the Ripper as a possession of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think most of America will be will be happy to uh, consider the evidence, whether the English do or not. I, I I really couldn't predict that. I I would I would guess that I'll be asked to go over and give some talks, maybe debate with Patricia Cornwell or something about about Ripper evidence, and I'll be happy to do that as long as I have bodyguards there <laughs> to make sure to make sure the English aren't too upset. Tim and I have talked about this in the past, and we've always said that you could put out one. 100% proof positive on the identification of Jack the Ripper and they're going to try and subdue it because it is such an industry for the British people. And not only that, but and I think you said it once, Jeff, in one of our interviews here on Creaking Door, could you imagine what it would do to an English um, tourist attraction to find out it was an American doctor that was doing it? I mean, it would just it would it would there the money could be lost and, and that's that scares them more than anything, I think justifiably so yeah well and and, and you're exactly right and and the funny thing about that is there were newspaper articles at the time and law enforcement opinions that stated it was an american doctor so it's uh i'm 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 eager to see how it's received i uh i think the debate will be lively and it uh maybe ferocious (laughs) and we'll see we'll see if you know the modern forensic science that I got to tell you, the people at History Channel, the people at A&E and Megillah, it was amazing to work with these creative geniuses. They've taken a a huge subject on their shoulders. They gave everything they could. And I got to sit back and watch these people put this thing together. And and I got to tell you, they're amazing creative giants who I think have created a story and a show that's just going to be widely received and and I hope a big success for them. So eight episodes coming out. That that doesn't sound like a lot, but how long did you spend in development and filming for this series, Jeff? Over a year. Yeah. Wow. wow. Amazing. Over a year of filming and and working for bringing it down to eight episodes. You know what? I want this to be 16 episodes. I want this to be 32 episodes. I know the minute this series starts, I'm going to be hanging on every episode. And I just hope at that, and and obviously you can't say anything, Jeff, and and we understand that, but I hope at at the end of that eighth episode, there's something left making us think and hope and hold on to that. There's more coming yet. You know, I think the home story can go, you know, anywhere they want to take it. I, eight episodes is actually quite a bit, and it's up to them when they see how it's received the first two episodes, whether they push it further or not, because they, they spent a lot of money, Tim and Brad, on this. I was I was amazed to see. I think people, they we get used to watching, like, real estate flipping shows or right. cooking shows, <laughs> and, and those, are, those are quite cheap to make. This mm-hmm. was not cheap to make. There were professional actors involved there there's a narrator involved there's soundtrack i mean they really they went full out on this and and they really want they're expecting this to be their number one show next this year excellent so so even though it's being pressed right now then jeff as an eight-part limited series there is a chance that you could get the call after uh episode two is aired and said we're going back to filming we gotta we gotta do a few more episodes that's a possibility is that what you're saying 
You know, I don't know much about that, Tim, but I would say you're probably correct. And and uh, that, like I say, that will be up to the you know the powers that be once they see how the show is received. Right. What I'll be interested to see is, is they've been in talks for years on on adapting Eric Larson's book, Devil in the White City, which is a, a good part of that book is the story of H. H. Holmes at the World Fair. And last I'd heard, Leonardo DiCaprio, I believe, bought the rights to it, but it it seems to stall nonstop. And I'm I'm just wondering if this takes off and hits like we expect it to, is that going to get fast tracked? I bet it will. I've 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 talked with uh, some of the professionals about that, and I I think you'll find that some of the people that worked on American Ripper will soon be working for um, Martin Scorsese on that movie. Well, I and, think. Um, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Well, and and I think using parts of bloodstains will help the devil in the white city out because quite frankly tim and brad you both know that story larson did an incredible book about the architect daniel burnham who created the world's fair and then because he knew that story wouldn't sell enough he threw in chapters about holmes which was going on at the same time in the murder castle but to put that together in a two-hour or three-hour movie when the, the two characters are not related in any way other than the city they lived in proved difficult. And I guess Tom Cruise owned it for a while and gave up on it. And then they hired three different writers to quit. And then the third one, I think, is close to finishing the script. And what I think I heard, and this is pure rumor, is that they're going to try to say that Holmes was in business relations with Daniel Burnham, which, quite frankly, I hope they don't, because Burnham was a good man who did a great thing for America, and he doesn't deserve any of that taint from having anything to do with this with this terrible, evil man. It's almost like they could do two separate stories, because, as you said, they are two separate stories within one book. They could, if they wanted to, create two separate movies with this. Yeah, and I think you'll find that the majority of the movie, Tim, will be about Holmes and the murder castle. Yeah. I would think so. I, would think I, so I don't too. see where the the book was excellent. I, I enjoyed every bit of it, but I don't see where you can make a Hollywood production about architecture and building. Yeah, there there was a lot of drama in the background, mm-hmm. but if you want to keep an audience's attention, you know, you you have to have Holmes in this, and you have to have the bulk of it be about Holmes and his murder spree in Chicago. Right, and with the publicity that uh, American Ripper is. Is now going to to shine on you now, Jeff, in the spotlight you're going to be on. Uh, you know, I think they'd be remiss if you didn't get the phone call at some point and and they asked you to come be some type of an advisor if they actually do get ready to produce that movie to at least advise on, you know, what you believe in your research, how your great great grandfather would have acted or done or something like that. So hopefully you'll get that phone call too. Fingers crossed for you, my friend. I don't know about that, Jim. I do know they ordered a bunch of books, and we had to send quite a big package to Paramount nice. over it. So, very nice. Yeah, there um, you go. And I don't. And uh, and you know, you you you've read Devil in the White City, which was a great book, and you've read Bloodstains, which is more a personal journey on my part, finding out who my my great great grandfather was. Right. And that's why when I go when I go on shows shows like yours now, Tim and. I like to tell the host, listen, you know, there's four or five great authors out there right now. John Borowski, those kind of guys. I got to meet uh, Schechter, the who wrote Deranged, Depraved. And there's great historical authors out there who will discuss how many windows the murder castle had and the exact amount of people that were murdered down in that basement. My, my book's about, you know, my grandfather um, telling me, listen, my boy, uh, I got something to tell you. 
the reason why you're here on the earth today are the conscious decisions of perhaps the most evil man that ever lived. And that's what caused me to change my entire life. And in ways that you both have seen for the last six, seven years, me, me go off on that journey. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you you left your your profession. Uh, I mean, you were a, a practicing lawyer, uh, an attorney, and you left that to pursue to find out who this who who this great great grandfather was of yours, and I mean the pull, uh, it just seems like it's been there from day one for you, and to see where it has brought you is really no surprise. I mean when you when you can leave a uh, a career like that to go out and write a self published book, how many people, Jeff, do you think would have looked at you and said, "Okay, you're a lawyer, and you're going to go and become a self published <laughs> author. You're insane. Don't do it." Oh, about ninety nine percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. But you know, you I think I think maybe I think maybe you both didn't do it because I bought you a beer that first night. So I think well, you also that's... bought our dinner too. So <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, you bought dinner that night too. But uh, no, I can honestly say uh, from day one we've uh, we've been we've been fans and cheering from the from the sidelines, and uh, we're well, re- do, ready for this. Do, do you hear anything, Jeff? Do you get any feedback from the people of Chicago and that area? area is is this something that they would rather have stay buried or you know are, are they kind of excited that this story is finally getting published getting out it, it's been published obviously but getting out there more in more and more mass media forms no I, every newspaper in chicago is uh, waiting to do the interview with me now over the press release and um there i think chicago's ready for the story to be finally told completely and I, I think they're going to have their wish come true and then followed immediately after as you both have mentioned by you know maybe one of the biggest epic movies that hollywood has produced in the last 20 years so is your email box like filled up like crazy and your phone been ringing off the hook since the press release went out yeah and i i you know that i got a fella today wanting me to be involved in a broadway play where i gotta tell <laughs> you it's, an, it's a brilliant idea yeah it's, it's not me up on stage but it's an actor it's an actor who's going to be dressed as holmes walking the stage talking to the audience about the things that he did and i and i told the guy i said man that could be genius that yeah could be genius yeah i'm sure you're going to get a lot of offers and 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 hear a lot of neat things here now it's going to be a whirlwind for you jeff i think it was a whirlwind when you were traveling everywhere to film i think this is going to be a completely different whirlwind for you now so uh it's going to be a fun ride for you was there any point in the filming jeff that you just you, you got frustrated with with either production or the way the story was going and said you know screw this i just want to go home and and get back to my normal life Every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, let me explain that. Let me qualify that. Okay, these. I'm not an actor, guys. You know right. that. And this, this, this isn't. This isn't the same show like we discussed about flipping real estate. There. And my co-host is an incredible actress. And when. When I realized what they expected from me and and how patient they were, uh, I I there were times when I thought maybe I'd made the wrong the wrong decision. But as I saw how talented they were and how that thing that started out in the beginning, which had no no direction, all of a sudden at the end came together in this 
finite, beautiful creation that that's just amazing to watch. I had to go back and tell myself that I was the problem, not not the director, not the producers, <laughs> not the network. It was me. And there are times now, guys, that I wish we could go back and start again when I have this knowledge in my head. Oh, I could only imagine. And um, so do you have your viewing party set yet? Or is Kim Estes going to come and uh, be with you? And are you guys going to watch us together somewhere? I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm, there's been uh, We're still waiting on some results from evidence, and uh, there's still a question up in the air regarding the conclusion. So oh. um, there's still there's Very still good. there's still some things that are being produced right now that have a lot to do with where the show goes. So as far as parties and viewing sessions <laughs> and uh, hanging hanging out in New York City in a tuxedo, I don't know about that yet. <laughs> Very good. Have you seen any type of rough produced version of the opening episode yet? You know, the director used to walk over and show me some of his rough stuff, and I've, frankly, I was amazed every time. But Tim uh, and Brad, there's there's a part of me that uh, I don't want to see it yet. I right. I really don't. I want I want to see that first episode like everybody else is going to see it. Um, you know, I get calls every day now from family and friends about, oh, I saw your ad again on History Channel. You look great, and I'm and I don't even flip over to History Channel now to tell you the truth to watch the ad. And it's uh, it's I don't know how to explain it or why it is it's just until you're in my shoes having this happen around you and they told me my life was going to change the, mm -hmm. the pros in new york city told me and it is and i'm having to digest it slowly to tell you the truth well it's kind of a, a double storm coming at you jeff because anyone who go, gets on television and does something like this their life's going to change for that reason alone but you are trying to blow the top and you are trying to change history and rewrite the history books that in itself is going to be a life changer too and you're now getting the backing of the history channel and money and producers and directors this is all going to change, my friend. The, the years of going to conference to conference to try to just tell your story. Now you're going to be going to conferences and talking about, you know, this show. It's it's everything has changed for you, and and we're very happy for you, and and we hope it uh, it, it goes as smooth as possible. When uh, also fighting back the naysayers, it's going to happen too. It comes with it. Well, and that's like that's why I wanted so much to start your show out today, Tim and Brad, with letting your viewers know that. Without you guys, I wouldn't have got on a couple of the shows that got me the TED Talk, that got me the 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 the, uh, the chance to sell the story to the production company, and then History and Amy, who fell in love with that same TED presentation. And and uh, I got I really tell you, when people when I go to shows now, and one of the 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 biggest questions I face now is, how did you do this? We want to write our own book, but how did you do this? Take a self-published book and have it turned into a TV show. And, and I just like to explain to them, listen, it's writing the book is the easy part. Marketing your story is when the work starts. So mm -hmm. be prepared, be prepared for that. And then when you have friends like you, Brad, and you, Tim, take advantage of those opportunities every chance you get whether there's money involved or not. And, and I got to tell you, that's another thing I want to thank you both for. You were, guys were the first that ever paid me a considerable amount of money to give up, get up and talk to <laughs> the show. And well, no, you were, you, were, you, you were the first. And there were shows that were, refused to pay me anything. I wasn't a big enough player. <laughs> and um, so that, those are the things you've got to take advantage of. And then, like I said, you've got to get lucky. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Jeff Mudgett is the author of Bloodstains. His great great grandfather is H. H. Holmes. The story is about to be told. American Ripper premiering Tuesday, July 11th, 10 p.m. Eastern on the History Channel. Again, Jeff, we are proud of you. We're excited for you. Buckle up, my friend, because it's going to get crazy for you from here on out. So thank you so much for coming on Inside. And Jeff, the people that want to get an inside look before this hits, where can they pick up a copy of Bloodstains? Hey, thank you very much. And you know, I just finished the second edition. I went back and cleaned it up. I'm a better writer now than when I first wrote the book. I wanted to make sure I added in some changes that I've learned about since uh, since that first printing. And um, we fixed our website to include that. So if you go to www.bloodstainsthebook.com, you'll see a, a short description of the book and some pictures there of homes that, that I think uh, might entice you to read the book. And as I'm telling everybody now, Tim, American Ripper is going to tell the story, but if you want the feel of what's coming at you, try to read Bloodstains first and be ready for the show. I was just going to say that. We highly encourage every listener right now to get to that website, purchase that book, and read it before July 11th hits because you will want to read it from the hands and the minds of Jeff Mudgett, the great-great-grandson. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on in, and we are going to sit back and uh, watch your journeys through Facebook and then watch it on the History Channel. Thanks for being with us, my friend. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate your help, and uh, let's. I uh, look forward to buying you guys another beer here soon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll hold you to it. <laughs> Jeff Mudgett inside the Creaking Door. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more on the way. This is Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, powered by SlackJohnPunks.com. someone who brutally murdered hundreds of innocent people. I am a descendant of the devil. My great-great-grandfather, H.H. Holmes, was America's first serial killer. I have uncovered credible evidence which suggests that Holmes was Jack the Ripper. This might be the key to the entire investigation. Don't miss the series premiere of American Ripper, Tuesday, July 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern on the History Channel. Welcome back inside Creaking Door Paranormal Radio with Tim Ellis and Brad Blair. And uh, Brad, we knew uh, heading in it was going to be a great interview with Jeff Mudgett. Always is. It's great to get caught up with him. We don't get a chance to chat with him as much as we had prior to the filming Mm -hmm. of uh, American Ripper. So it was good to finally get a chance to sit down and and just get caught up with him. It was. And the worst part of the whole thing is there were so many questions I wanted to ask that I knew he could not (laughs) answer right now because of the show coming up. And and obviously he he can't talk about what's going to be in the episodes, what they found for any of the evidence. But man, what an amazing guy and just a great all around guy. He's just as as down to earth as they come. We've been very fortunate to call him a friend for a number of years now. And yeah, it's just... 
it's so great to see all of this hitting for him. Yeah, it really is. So get again, set the DVRs on Tuesday, July 11th, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, American Ripper on the History Channel. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into mailbag this evening, shall we, where we allow uh, listeners to reach out to us. If you have a, uh, a story you want to share with us, a question you want to share, or uh, sometimes we've even gotten a couple photos in. People said, hey, this looks like a ghost, you know, type thing. And so if you want to share with us, we encourage you to reach out to us on Facebook. We are the only creature. Door Paranormal Radio on there. Mm-hmm. So find us on Facebook, send us a private message, post it on our wall, whatever you'd like to do, and then right. we'll pick our favorites and share them. Twitter as well. We tweet. We tweet. <clears throat> kind of. Yeah, we're, we're working on tweeting. We, we do tweet. Yeah. We, we do tweet. We <laughs> will get it quicker if you hit the Facebook yes, page. Yes, absolutely. Uh, keep in mind, we don't uh, quite have the staff around us yet uh, that can do our social media. So <laughs> we do our own <laughs> and we keep up with it the best we can. All right. But this question comes from uh, Donovan, who is actually out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So right oh, cool. in our own home state. So Donovan, thank for uh, sending it in. He says, a few years ago, I started seeing images. It seemed like all the time. These faces would be on my bathroom and living room walls. On two occasions, I saw two faces, one in person that looked like a demon laughing and another one in a photo that looked like the exact same face. Is it even possible to see ghosts this way? Why do I keep seeing faces places where I wouldn't think to? One person said, my mind is making it up. What does that mean? Thank you, Donovan something we see a lot in the field Mm -hmm. and we've seen it ourselves and when we were starting out we we read read a lot more into that back you know back back in the uh early late mid 90s you know that that whole stretch there before we we had an official group going and really researched heavier into it And, and it's something called matrixing or pareidolia that the mind tries to make sense of what it's seeing. Yeah. A lot of the time it is. That's the way our, the human mind is uh, hardwired. It mm-hmm. wants to make sense of what's happening around. Right. Uh, they also call it the man in the moon. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you look at the moon and you'll swear it looks like a skeleton or a face looking back at you. It's called the man in the moon theory. So it's very common. It is. Um, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just kind of, <laughs> you just got to, you got to start questioning it now. If you, I remember there was a door in college uh, when I went to Central Michigan University in my sophomore year, the wood grain literally looked like a demon with these huge horns so of course <laughs> after uh, uh, one night uh, of imbibing and a few barley pops we thought it would be cool to run to the corner store grab some model paint and come back and we outlined the demon head on our bathroom door because that's what college kids do right. you know but that was a, a perfect example of pareidolia it was the wood grain that happened to look like a devil head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've had people send us pictures of this type of thing. I, I think the, the best thing we can tell you to do is if you're getting something like this, as we do in the field, take multiple pictures in the same location. Yep. Take multiple pictures, see what shows up. Occasionally, you'll, you'll get dust in the way, and sometimes maybe you are getting a ghost. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it, yeah. It's, I mean, don't discount that either. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't be so critical. You're <laughs> all crazy. <laughs> you think everything's pareidolia, but yeah. this is very common. So uh, it, it, it is. And again, it, feel free to send pictures in. Tim and I love looking at them. We we will give you our honest opinion on it. It might be right. It might not be. But it's might make what, you happy. Might not make you happy. <laughs> exactly. But with our experience, we we do love evaluating those, and yeah. it, it's something that people do send us from time to time, and it's it's not 
not something that we will automatically talk about on the show. If you're just looking for a second opinion, feel free, send them into the Facebook page or the Twitter page, and we'll we'll take a look and, and let you know, at least one-on-one, what we feel you have captured on, on camera or video. Absolutely. Uh, we, we very much enjoy that. Well, that takes us to the end of another Mailbag segment. Thank you, Donovan, for sending in that question. We appreciate it. And just like he did, if you want to reach out to us again, just reach out to us through Facebook uh, or Twitter. But Facebook uh, is the quicker way right now for us. So right. um, reach out to us that way. And also, too, uh, one thing Brad and I love to do, as a matter of fact, we're getting ready for another fun season of it, is to get out there and do the lecture series. Right. We love to get out and talk about everything we've learned over 20, almost you know, going on 30 years now of, uh, of, of investigating as kids right through up to uh, the professional version of it, if you will, as uh, we formed our team uh, back in uh, 1999, 2000. Mm-hmm. So we love to just get out there and share. That's why we started the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and some of the things that we've researched over the years, and we, we've got a, a handful of events already signed for later mm-hmm. this year. Of course, our own Michigan Paranormal Convention coming yep. up the end of August. Uh, you can get info on that at miparacon.com. And then we head off to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Hitting the Windy City for the ninth annual Chicago Ghost Conference. As a matter of fact, you heard Jeff Mudgett talk about that in his, in his interview. Which um, we've, that's where we first, we first met, met him at the Chicago at, Ghost Conference. And that was, as you heard Jeff say, his first big onstage right. appearance of talking about H.H. Holmes and, and the links that he found on him. I remember so, that poor guy. He was so nervous. Oh, he night. was. And now wow. he, he's such a consummate professional. He is. And, and just him up there, and he was a little jittery and with yeah. the whole crowd. So, yeah, we'll be at the Chicago Ghost Conference coming up this fall also uh strange escapes mm-hmm. mac island. island with amy bruni adam barry and the crew we'll be that, there that is coming up in mid-october so and then you are jetting off to england i am taking off to england to cover sage paracon for the show yep. uh thanks to the uh the amazing folks at Slackjaw punks for sending me over <laughs> there to uh to scope that out for the show so I'll, I'll be hanging out there and uh some of our favorite guests will be there speaking johnny zaffis is in the lineup jeff mm-hmm. bland Andrew, uh, Greg Lawson, so uh, Robert Murch, I believe, is also yes. in on that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. My first time to England, so I'm really looking forward to it. And as I mentioned to Jeff, we are looking, I believe we have set up a private uh, Jack the Ripper pub crawl nice. that uh, some some of the presenters and myself will be going Very on nice. prior to that, uh, the events over there. So, Eat the haggis, I'm told. Eat the haggis. I don't know. If I, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's going to be a busy fall, and as always, we will be adding events in as we get closer, and we, we do a lot of lecturing throughout the Midwest, and yep. looking forward to it this year. Sure are. So if you are interested in having us uh, be a part of your show, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. We'll get back with you, we promise. All right. Uh, hard to believe it's come to the conclusion of another episode of Creaking Door, but it has. Once again, thanks to Jeff Mudgett for coming on in and being our guest. And on behalf of Brad Blair and myself, Tim Ellis, and our engineers behind the scenes, thank you for coming on Inside the Creaking Door, powered by SlackjawPunks.com. The Creaking Door. <laughs> <laughs>